Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hey, this is Jess Malboy, proud to be heard on the beautiful Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. You're with Chris, Gordon and Phil. And it's lovely to have you with us. We enjoy your company. Yeah, we always do. Hope you enjoy our company. Mm. (laughs) And sometimes on the Ellen DeGeneres show, where they've recorded two shows in a row, she tells her audience that they're much better than the audience she had last time. Oh, she's so we just hope our audience is as good as the one we had last time. Oh, I certainly hope so. Oh, I'm sure they will be. And a big hello to Nina. Oh, of course. And Cupcake. And Cupcake, yes. Yes. And Simone. And Jade. And, and, and Simone. Simone, yes. And Peter. Mm-hmm. And oh. There's a few. That, yeah, there's a few of our few regulars. regulars. Thank you, and Eddie, who can't write in. Eddie can't write in, no. no. He's a dog. <laughs> been there done that is joy's history program and uh, we have a few characters in our gay calendar who we're going to be talking about today and gay events as well Mm. certain wonderful birthdays are being celebrated around about this time honorable michael kirby and also the birthday of stephen gately Mm -hmm. the irish singer Mm -hmm. from boyzone we don't celebrate, but we record the fact that Robert Maplethorpe, a U.S. photographer, died early in March in 1989, but he had a very, very interesting... Very interesting. ...history. We yeah. celebrate his portfolio. <laughs> oh, do we what? Do we do what? what? Do we, mm-hmm. we what? Okay. And also Rudolf Nureyev, he juggled and juggled along. He was born on the 17th of March, so we'll... That's, we'll that was St. Patrick's Day. Well, why don't we celebrate that as well? Oh, we could do. I think it's wonderful. The Irish Irish listeners might like it if we did say something about St. Patrick. Was he gay? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, so we will celebrate some ordinary public events as well. Yes. All right, then. Let's let's get those ordinary public events out of the way. <laughs> Canberra. You just came back from your yes, holiday and you back. went to Canberra. I went to Canberra. The 12th of March, 1913, mm-hmm. Canberra was named, actually, ever before it was built. That's Which right. is weird and wonderful. Yeah. The, and the reason for doing it ass about was why. We decided that we needed a federal capital. Well, yeah, that's and right. you're not going to have it in Sydney. You're not going to have it in Melbourne. No, it had to be 200. It's 284 kilometres from Sydney and it's 483 from Melbourne. And they bought, they, they searched all around the place to find somewhere and they found this a farming property 
in the Murrumbidgee Valley. So before we had Canberra as a federal capital, we had where Melbourne. did our federal parliament sit? State parliament up here at the top of Spring Street. Where the state government now sits. That's right. The opening was in the exhibition building on the 1st of January 1901. Yeah. And then the state government met at an, in another, I think they met at the library or somewhere, and the federal government met in our state parliament, parliament house. Yeah. Oh, right. And, they, and then when, while they were building Canberra, when Canberra was finished building, I think it was 1927, they moved up there. And right. Of course, Melbourne missed out on having the completion of Parliament House at the top of Burke Street. For some reason or other, there was no money around to get the dome put on the top of the building or the other two wings. That was about the, in the time of the Depression in the 1800s, the yeah. late 1800s, yeah. yeah. So we could have had a very, very grand well, the, the, place here. If you see the photos of the or the drawings that they did, it was, it was a very grand building with a lovely dome on the top. Canberra was built by Walter Burley Griffin, who was an American architect. Yeah. But most of Canberra was designed by his wife, Mary, and she doesn't get any recognition for it. She was one of the great architects, but he knew how to do it. He knew how to get the workers and get everything done. But she she put up so much to the design of Canberra. And it wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for Lake Burley Griffin. Yeah, so she got her name on the lake. So there you go. That's yeah. better enough. The, the lake took a long time to be filled. It was. It's a beautiful city. It really is a beautiful city. Built on triangles. And triangle. circles and circles and, and, and circles. circles. Circles are at the end of oh, the triangles. And I hate driving around in Canberra. Oh, well, if you've got a G- GPS in your car, it's quite easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the GPS gets dizzy. Yeah. That's right, yeah. But it's, oh. but it's, a, it's a very pretty city. And it's well, so is Melbourne this time of the year, and yeah. oh, so yes. was Moomba Day. Yes, Moomba Day was the actually actually was Labor Day, but they they took the Labor Day and called it Moomba Day because they needed something back in 1955 that had an Aboriginal sort of context to it. So they decided that Moomba was going to be called. Yes, yeah, so instead of unions marching. They'd have floats, much yeah. prettier. Or birdmen jumping off oh, the, That's a slightly more recent addition. Well, now it's a multicultural it's, parade. It has the different nationalities of people that are living in Melbourne that um, parade down the street, yeah. It's like Mardi Gras without the gays. One of these days we better have some floats in Moomba. We mm. should. You now get a chance to talk about St. Patrick's Day, the 17th of March. Mm. Born around the year 386 died at the age of 75 in year 461 and is now revered as the patron saint of Ireland. He was an Englishman, mm, the West right. Coast, who might, might even have been Welsh. As a teenager, Patrick was captured and taken to Ireland as a slave mm. to a druid chieftain yeah. or a slave. Yeah. At any rate, his Christian faith was strengthened during his enslavement and then he escaped at the age of 22 well, that's a long time to be a slave. Yep. And he spent 12 years in a monastery where he adopted the name Patrick or Patricius uh, in old Irish spelling, Padraig. Padraig, yeah. And one night he heard voices begging him to return to Ireland and thus he became the f- one of the first Christian missionaries in Ireland. Do you think he might have been sm- spelling too much incense when he heard the voices? They Could didn't have, have TV. No, that's true. It's a bit before radio. They don't tell you what his surname was for some reason. No. I've never, I've never seen his surname anywhere. It's always just St. Patrick. But the Irish, of course, adore the man, and they always make a great celebration of the of his the, the date of his. Have you his been birth. around Ireland? 
No, it's the country I haven't been to, actually. Philip? Not even on TV. No. But it's very green, mm. hence, hence drinking green, green beer. beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got lots of beautiful stone buildings and churches, and most of those were at the behest of the communities that Patrick established mm. got going mm. greatly. Mm. Mm. Do they have any snakes in Ireland? No, Patrick banned them. No. He, he, he said, was it a presidential <laughs> decree? <laughs> Something like that. If no, it, it might have been whacking day feast. Well, that worked for the Simpsons. And that's, that's how they got rid of all the snakes in Springfield. No, Did they? they didn't. They actually called on Mr. the Barry black White. man, Mr. White. I can't get my voice down low enough to know. <laughs> <laughs> and he saved the snakes. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> but so the Irish have managed to spread out all over the world. They haven't kept themselves to their little green island. Well, they had they, to go the, because, because of, of the, the potato famine. Potato famine. Mm. What happened to their spuds? They all went rotten. They did. Mm. So a, a lot of a them disease. escaped to the US. Yes. Stopped in New York, and now they blow up big balloons on St. Patrick's Day and march them down the street. That's where some of the American accents come from, is the Irish accent. Ireland went into the European Common Market. Yes, right. European Union. And they're into the EU now. Mm-hmm. And uh, after Brexit, they'll still be. That's right, they'll still be there. But Northern Ireland won't be, because that's and part of the British Isles. No, yes. But Ireland itself, the free state, economy really f- flowed well once they joined the EU, except to the point they fell over, and it they got very cr- poor. It crashed badly with the global financial crisis, because they had been off, they had been, had lots of properties offloaded into their big companies by the three companies in America that sort of do the credit ratings who had done the wrong thing with the with mm. the properties and uh, the Irish people bought them all and they all crashed well it was a tax haven at one mm. stage of the that's game right. as well yeah. Yeah. and that's why we recently had a group a whole mess of Irish people coming to Australia recently they have been out here recently and yeah. Yeah. it was wonderful to hear their their accents locally rather than just on film but things have improved back in Ireland so they're going back again yes mm. Mm. dear oh dear but it's they really know how to celebrate their day, which is really lovely to see. Stay tuned, because very soon we're going to be talking about one of the children of Ireland mm-hmm. and also of a famous Russian ballet dancer. There's more here on Joy. Been there, done that. Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. You're listening to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9 with Gordon, Phil and Chris. It's lovely to be here. We're enjoying ourselves and, and having hope. a bit of fun while we And we hope to, you are too. Uh, <laughs> while we're listening to Stephen Gately with that song, Stay. Which is dedicated to my dog, Eddie. Because after he hears that word, he gets a smacko. Does he? Oh. <laughs> Provided he stays. Despised he stays, yes. That's exactly right. He has to stay to get the, get the smack out. <laughs> uh, the, the reason we're celebrating, uh, uh, oh, playing Stephen Gately is because we're celebrating his birthday, the 17th of March, 1976. Well, there's an born. Irishman born on St. Patrick's Day. Well, definitely. <laughs> definitely indeed, Gordon. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Does that um, make him double Irish? Well, Are you more Irish for being born on an Irish holiday? Well, 
just imagine that the conundrums that his parents would have had to go through to make it happen. Yes. But anyhow, he would have been having a great time. What was happening on the 17th of June? The year before, oh, I wonder. That, oh, I see. You're, I, 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 you're, you're very good at maths going backwards. I, I worked out that I, I am the result of my mother's birthday present. Oh, are you? <laughs> Once a year, and look what happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think mine is more, um, I was going to say divine, but we spoke about her last week, yeah. so I don't think it's got anything to do with divine. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Mine was, mine was, yeah. I yeah, think it, mine was a wedding anniversary. All right. Yeah. Okay. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen Gately is an Irish uh, pop singer, songwriter, actor, children's writer and dancer And But he joined up with Ronan Keating And was one of the two lead singers of the pop group Boyzone mm-hmm. now, They were the first Irish boy band, weren't they? Well I have a vague feeling they were I, I think you could well have been mm. But they were certainly around about the time of Oh, take that mm. So mm. I suppose it was the Irish equivalent mm. thereof mm. And and uh, Boyzone were t- considered as a major pop band of the 1990s And had a much publicised rivalry with the UK boy band Take That Even selling more singles than them at one stage And Stephen Gately shared the majority of the lead vocals, as I said, with Ronan Keating. So they were pretty good. They were a wonderful boy band and, and represented the Irish side of, of modern they life. They sold millions of, of recordings too, I would imagine. I can't, I can't remember reading how many they sold, but I would say it'd be in the, the several million um, rec- records with their sales. Mm. Worldwide, that would be. Yeah, and did you ever see the little film Billy Elliot with a young kid? I did. With wanting to dance, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a bit of a problem for the the family to to reconcile with the fact that their young lad wanted to be a dancer, a ballet yeah, dancer, rather than a minor. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in that particular song, air uh, film was uh, one of Stephen Gately's other songs, I believe. Oh right, yes, and. There was a belief in self because mm, he was out and pray. He, he did, did, when did he come out? He was he, he knew he was gay, um, but I'm not sure. Well, when he, he came out in 1999. That's when he was 23, mm. more or less at the height of his his uh, popularity. After discovering that uh, an acquaintance was about to sell the details right, of yes. his sexuality to the media. So he uh, subsequently described as a, a champion of gay rights, albeit a reluctant one. But he, like a lot of people... It didn't he, seem to do him any harm Well, when he did he come out. Well, he did. He did, unfortunately. He suffered from depression. Once again, the sleepers and the uppers and the downers weren't but doing I'm, him I'm, any I'm, favour. I'm talking about his, his popularity with the oh, fans. of course. You know, yeah, that's right. coming out, it didn't, didn't make any difference to him. You know, there was no, um, there was no ostracising him or anything no. like that. No, he, so he had his rewards with uh, the boy band Boyzone, but he also, as I mentioned right at the beginning, he was a singer-songwriter, but he was also a children's writer. And he had, in the three years before he died, and we're going to be talking about that in a little while, 
Stephen had been writing a children's fantasy novel calling The Tree of Seasons. And it was, it was in preparation and, the, and he finished it basically on the eve of his death, which was good timing, g- wonderful timing. But he actually devoted quite a amount of his life to this uh, particular writing work. He was also philanthropic and he uh, helped uh, the National Missing Persons Helpline Support Service. And I don't know why he would have picked up on that. But you find you don't you, Chris? You find that a lot with these people that are in the big in entertainment. They do so much for charities and and all the rest of it. They work to raise money for different people. Like we've been talking about other people that have mm. done that, like Elizabeth Taylor and and Elton John. They all sort of did a, a th- they always found a charity to work for for some reason. I think part of the mentality, if you're making unimaginable amounts of money hmm. for just singing a song, yeah, you'd want a balance in your life. You'd want to feel like you've got it really good. Now let's do something good for someone else. Yes, well, there's that and it would be it. nice to pick a charity that maybe you can relate to or you've had some experience with, mm. 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 and it would just it would give you that life balance. It certainly would balance out. Yeah, because the money won't buy you happiness. No. You've got to do something else. Yeah, the money can be can oh. make somebody else happy, of course, which is what they do for. Oh. Do you mean I've got to give away all my sixpences? Oh, have you still got some? <laughs> well, go make a Christmas pudding. Ah, excellent, 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 yes. When he was uh, in the boy band, Boy Zone, his manager actually uh, didn't realise that, that Stephen Gately was gay. And... He thought, oh, it's not cool to have a gay guy in a band. I better not promote Stephen as being gay. So the poor guy was, once again, not being able to uh, be his true self. He, but he, he probably was his true self, but he wasn't allowed to be with when it yeah, was committed with the band. But apparently he reckoned that although he was... Stephen was the glue that held Boyzone together. Stephen actually reckoned that it was the campus straight band in the world. And he <laughs> gave especially girls nicknames to all the other members of the, the crew. Mm. And Rhonda he, Keating? Yeah, well, I wouldn't <laughs> imagine. No, no. But is there a gay boy in every boy band? Well, I would imagine so. We find out later on that Lance Bass... Was gay? Who is gay? Who's he in with? Which group? He was. Mm, think. In think. In think. Stephen Gately died at his home in Mallorca, on the island of Mallorca, in the Mediterranean, in uh, October 2009. His body was discovered later in the morning. He was deemed to have died in his sleep as a result of pulmonary edema resulting from an undisclosed heart condition. Mm, he, was, he was celebrating Conge- a holiday with his a, boyfriend. Yeah, mm. and it was a congenital heart defect. So... If you don't know whether you've got heart defects or not, your number's going to come up when you least expect it. Well, that's what it always comes up when you're least expecting it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, if oh. you're expecting it, you're not having a very cheerful life. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to die in five, four, ah, I've lived again. Oh, well, we'll try again. <laughs> as a wonderful talent, you know, as a writer, as a singer and a dancer, he used to go onto the stage doing pantomimes, no, things right. like this, mm-hmm. uh, especially for kids' shows. Gay people in pantomimes. Oh, oh we are everywhere. Who to heard of it <laughs> who'd have thunk wow. who'd have thunk indeed that was uh, same with uh, uh, John Inman last week he's he been gay well he actor. also did pantomimes as well <laughs> he's I behind think. you 
behind you. <laughs> that had people running off stage. <laughs> Golly gosh. Uh, oh dear. Let's see. Who else have we got in the holiday and numbers? Well, there's that, that other ballet dancer that you were talking about. Oh, not a b- gay ballet dancer. Well. Now you're really stretching the stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Who had a birthday some, somewhere around about no. this time as Did well? Did this man have a red nose? Well, he was born on the 17th of St. Patrick's Day, but in 1938. And it was the Russian ballet dancer Rudolf Nureyev. And he was a Tatar. Not cream of tartar, but tartar. So what does that mean? It's Gordon? one of the races of the of the oh, so Russian not, people out on the steppes of Russia. Not more tart than your average tart. No. He's not tartar. No, no. Not, not Does he go well with fish? Probably if you squeeze him. <laughs> not, I wouldn't do it <laughs> no, now. No, no. Stop it. He... <laughs> He grew up in his early career with um, the Marinsky Ballet in St. Petersburg, previously known as Leningrad, or vice versa, and he got a proper education in ballet there, and he was uh, regarded by some as being the most gifted male dancer. Now, this was until the Australian Ballet came along, Gordon, because until then, male dancers had always just been someone for the lady dancers. They were the, the, the ladies' props, on, the ballerinas' props. When yes. she had to do her pirouettes, and he hold would be her there up and pick her up, her up and, and yeah. grab her by the waist, yeah, etc. Rudolf Nureyev changed all that. He he made the characters like the male dancer in Swan Lake and all those big ballets. They become as well as 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 much a star as the ballerina was. And he did that with his muscularity and his energy and his big thighs. Oh, and he was pretty. He was quite a handsome man. I, I met him. I've met him. Oh, at the Palais. Yeah, no, 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 on. no. Not he, the Palais. No, no. It was oh, out at Essendon Airport. Oh. When he was... <laughs> you waiting for the Beatles, were you? No, they were filming Don Quixote. Yeah. And I was a member of the Ballet Society, and we were invited out to watch some of the filming. So what, another poop in the ballet? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're taking over. Another poop at the ballet, yeah. So that's what obviously... And I have, his, I have his autograph somewhere at home, yeah. But he was very handsome. But so he suddenly became not a Russian. Well, he was always a Russian ballet dancer. He was always Russian. But he defected. The, the yeah. KGB, the Russian Secret Service, knew that he had eyes on the, the moving to the West, but they were trying to stop him from escaping. Well, they, This but, is from beyond, behind the but, Iron Curtain. But before that, they were very wary of letting him go out of Russia to Paris in the first place. Yeah. And they just felt that they had to keep their eye on him. But, but one of the other male stars on the Kirov's ballet tour in uh, Europe in 1961 was injured. So he was the last minute replacement mm, mm. and he bounded onto the stage and everybody was totally fascinated with this. At the this Paris new, Opera. Yeah, it was, yeah. At this uh, s- sensational new ballet dancer. Mm. Was he rushing across the stage? No, he, he was. He didn't rush across, mate. He leapt across. He his elevation and leaping was absolutely something to see. Yeah, he would have made a great high jumper, I reckon, at the Olympics. Been, he would have been good at football. But it, it was amazing because leaping to take marks. Oh, a screamer! A screamer. Well, that's, <laughs> that's another been, story. He might have been a screamer for all we know. Yeah. Well, but, you got his autograph. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but it was. It was. Um, of course, then when he did finally get away in in Paris. And he went to England and he teamed up with Margot Fontaine and they became absolutely the, the, well, ma- uh, the royalty of ballet. Yeah. 
yeah. they did. They they understood each other's movements, mm, and mm. they uh, yeah they were a pair. Yeah. Uh, he, however, he was gay. No, he was definitely gay. Yeah. He, he he one of his boyfriends was Eric Bruin from the Swedish National Ballet. Danish. Danish Danish Ballet. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Big, big fun. Yeah, and uh, and he was he was a drop dead gorgeous looking guy too. I can tell you. And they uh, shucked up together on and off. Mm. Uh, well, because they're always they're always touring. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they always went back to one another. But um, I think they had an open relationship because. Mm. Um, but Brun died in 1986, and Nureyev died in 1993, both from complications from AIDS related illnesses. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I saw I, they had. They had um, Nureyev on stage. He, w- he actually conduct- was conducting the orchestra, I think, for the last performance of Swan Lake, and he could barely make it walk it across the stage by the time the show had finished. And uh, he was a very... He was really, really so low, and it wasn't that long after that I think he passed away. But he was a, he was a, a, a leaping star, and, of course, after him came Barishnikov, the rest the other great ballet dancer. Mm who is still dancing or choreographing in New York. So he escaped Russia too? Yeah, well, to I think trend, by know? then I think it was, I think it was, uh, there, there was freedom of movement. Well, the Cold War ended. Yeah, I think the freedom of movement from Russia out to the thing, and now we've got the American president going back to Russia. Or doing business in Russia and yes. idolising Mr. Putin. It was a very yeah, interesting article in the paper yesterday that I was reading, or the, last week it was, I think, about uh, where Mr. Trump's money is coming from. Mm. And Mr. Putin will be banning the new Beauty and the Beast film because yeah, it promotes homosexuality. Yeah, there's, a, oh. there's, there's something in that that's quite gay. Yes, one of, the, cat. one of the characters is turned. They turned him gay in the new version of Beauty and the Beast. I think the gay guy is probably the beauty, <laughs> not the beast. <laughs> You're on Joy. Been there, done that with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Joy ninety four point nine. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Joy's history program. And we're celebrating people's birthdays at the moment. We're going to celebrate the birthday of, on the 18th of March, 1939, of an Australian notable by the name of the Honourable Michael Kirby. A-C-C-M-G. He's one of my heroes. OMG. Oh my God. That man's brain is just absolutely brilliant. He's he was a former Justice of the High Court of Australia, mm-hmm. serving from 1996 to 2009, but he's remained active in retirement. And he's on... He's on several boards. Several of, boards, include, and, and he's a patron of joy, yes. but he is interested in gay rights and things like this. He was very, very bold in as much as he used to dissent. Oh, he was the, he was one of the... The he, way our justice system works is that when there is a judgment of the High Court, yes. it's a bank of judges, uh, not just one judge. In there the are home. 11 judges on the High Court, I think. And is, isn't it? he would often not agree, or he would be the devil's advocate and dissent from these mm. judgments, mm. and he would come up with different viewpoints on the circumstances, and he was such a thinking man's judge... He he really resolved lots of problems, not by his confrontation, by but by argument. dissenting and argument and mm. putting up cogent thoughts. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a a brilliant speaker. He was um, down here one day for World AIDS Day, and he had to. They asked him to speak for half an hour, and he just looked at the clock, and he started, and he finished exactly 
on the half hour. <laughs> just like that. And he didn't have any notes. He spoke off the top of his head because he was very, he's very involved in the AIDS Council up in New South Wales. And he's just, they've yeah. just got a new institute, the um, Michael Kirby Institute, I think it is, uh, where they do all Kirby the, Institute. The Kirby Institute, yeah, yeah. yeah. Named, but he's the patron of that as well, of course, because mm. named after him. But uh, he came out in um, Who's Who of Australia. They, hello, hello, what do you mean by... That's how he came out. He, 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 his homosexuality was exposed to the wider public. Yes, in the Who's Who in Australia. He just had, and his partner was Johan Van, um, I can't remember his name. Flotten. Flotten, Van Flotten, yeah. And his partner was, and, and he just put it in, partner, and for so many years. And that's the way he, basically somebody picked it up out of the who's who in Australia and they realised that Michael Kirby was a gay man. Mm. <laughs> well, when, why, and he was president of the International Commission of Jurists at mm. one stage mm. and he encouraged that organisation to give more consideration to human sexuality as an aspect of human rights. Mm. And as an Anglican, he expressed disappointment at his church's stance on gay rights in 2002 and he's probably still cross and cranky with them. Yes, for not giving us uh, the way they're having their... And he wasn't too happy about the plebiscite either. No, oh, no, 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 not at all. I think just a little quote here, alien to constitutional tradition. That's right. I think he didn't like it. Well, <laughs> well the, the, the constitutional tradition is that the parliament is elected to make decisions. But how many other things were ever put to uh, a plebiscite? One. One. And what was that? Oh, now you've got me. I know there was one, but, but I no, can't there remember. was only one. Yeah, I know there was only a one ever one topic before. Yeah, did required a plebiscite to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, ooh. so it's good, in fact, that the plebiscite seems to have dropped off uh, the platform. Not if Senator Bernardi has anything oh. to do with it. Well, I think he's going to have all the power of a feather duster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he so, can go and marry his pets. Yeah, mm. so given that the Prime Minister of the particular day changed the Jack. definition of marriage mm. in the Marriage Act, uh, we just need the same sort of organisation to reverse that. And so therefore, it must have to be another parliament than the uh, the party that we've got in at the moment. That was done in about five minutes with the acquiescence of the Labour Party. Yeah. They just said, OK, you can do that, not realising the, the ramifications yeah. of, of, it, of the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, why do we have to have a plebiscite when they can do it in five minutes for one thing and we have to have a plebiscite for the well, other? Why don't we have separation of church and state? Well, we are. We're supposed to be a secular country, mate. But the church is in the ear of the prime minister. Yes, and in the ear of most politicians. Was mm. in the ear of little Johnny Howard when he made the change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't vote for them. Well, see, George... Uh, sorry... Peter Jensen of the Anglican Church mm. and George Pell of the Catholic Church at that particular time uh, were both pushing a particular line mm-hmm. and presumably John Howard thought, well, this is a good way of, of uh, getting, the, uh, getting on side. the church on side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just ridiculous. We, are, we were made a secular country um, by the constitution, I think it is. It's, it's mentioned in the constitution that we're secular, but you wouldn't know it. But the, the, the churches, I don't see why that's a moral standard to follow. Because when I was a little boy, I was forced to go to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And I recall being told one day that the, the church was sending missionaries out into the outback to rescue children from Aboriginal mothers. Mm. That oh. was the stolen generation. Yeah. And mm. they're proud of it. Mm. Mm. So 
you know, let's yeah. let's draw a line somewhere, people, and leave us alone. Mm. But I don't think it's going to happen. Well, it could happen very quickly if they do decide to make up their mind to do something about it. Talking about Justice Michael Kirby, who is an absolute brain and a, ma- a lovely man. Bringing a little joy to your life. Joy 94.9. You are with Chris, Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that, Joy 94.9. One of the gay icons of our community who died on the March in the 9th, 1989, was a fellow who actually had rather a controversial life. He was born in, I think, New Jersey, and his family were not very happy about him being gay. So he had to leave He home. left home, yes, he left home. He ah. was a very, very, very strong-willed man, very strong-willed. Oh, right. He was a photographer because he, he actually was very interested in the human form. Yes. You're a painter. Yeah. Do you ever use the human form? I've painted one naked man who was in a class. He just stood there. There was, there yeah. were women as well in the, in the class and we had to paint him. What color did you paint him? Uh, oh, you painted an image of him. I painted an image. Oh. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank I'm you. I'm using body paint. No, not body paint. Oh. No. Yeah, that's uh, a class. And it was not bad. It, I'm, I'm not a very good. The um, human body is a, a, a wonderful it's device. It's, it's yeah. got so many lumps and bumps and bits curves and pieces and hanging everywhere and all the rest and, of it. Yeah. No, it. It's, I mean, the face is what we look at when we see portraits, mm. but there's so many other interesting curves in the human body muscles. I mean, we've, we've said that already today about Rudolf Nureyev and uh, yeah. the muscles that that he uses to dance. That he with, didn't yes. show bare flesh, but he showed under his dancing his mm, ballet mm. tights. Yes, they were very. Uh, but painting is a different thing to what Robert Maplethorpe did. He was a photographer. It, most of his stuff was done with a Polaroid camera. It, before digital, you see, with Polaroid, he could get an image almost. Well, within, what, about 15 seconds, I think it but was. But were his published images the Polaroids? Most of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought Because they would... seem to be very high resolution. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I yeah. thought he would have used a Hasselblad or something like that. I, I, he probably could have, but, but most of his stuff was done with Polaroid. At one stage when Polaroid were going out of business, he actually bought most of their film. stock of film, yeah, so that he I could can imagine continue. imagine why. Yeah. To see what develops. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Phil. He loved, loved photographing flowers, and there's some very famous photos of lilies in various positions. They were suggested. <laughs> they were very He suggested. had a good imagination. Yes. At one stage, he was banned from showing because they said it was some of his photos were too explicitly sexy. They yeah, were, they were pornographic. Porn, well, all right, if you want to in say. the the minds of church ladies. Yes, yes. But yeah. he, he he had. Well, we, we've got to remember the, and to and explain to the listener that this was in the 1970s in the US, oh, yeah. in New York, hmm. when there was this great blossoming of gay life and activities. He was let loose. He had this. This huge imagination, and he had this marvellous tool, the camera. The Polaroid. And he used men as some of his subjects. I know that he said still life of other sorts. But, oh, yeah. But he would focus not on just the total um, object. He would, would move in close and and pick up a particular line or shape or shadow, and he was rather different with these black and white films yeah but what he the human body that he most appreciated was the black african-american black and the use of baby oil yes yes he was a very into into that but his um one of his um other claims to fame was that he was a great friend of patty smith now who's she when she's home oh she was a great singer and she's just been out here 
oh, as, yeah. on a tour. Mm. They actually set up house together. They, they, they lived in the, the loft warehouse or something rather yeah. that he had, and she lived in one part of it and he lived in the other part of it. But they were great mates and they fought like mates do and they got drunk and they smoked pot and all the rest of it together. It was a very hedonistic lifestyle. And he was rebelling not not only against society but against the church because some of his subjects were into S and M, sadomasochism. Of course, we've got to thank the church for all their saints high up on crosses with arrows going through them and other things like that. Mm. There's a lot of weird imagery that the church used. Because we did have a, a, a huge Maplethorpe exhibition down here at our own National Gallery many years ago. Now, how would that have got on with the censors? Ah, uh, there were a few people that didn't like some of the photos, I can assure you. Well, all the photos were of consenting adults. Exactly. He had a couple of people that looked after him, very rich people, promoted him and, and, and got him to go mm. to Europe. He travelled all round and he had a very interesting life. But this one man that kept him supplied with, he was his patron, you know, painter's like Michelangelo and all those, they had the popes, there's all the nobility that were their patrons. Well, Maplethorpe had a patron and he helped him to organise exhibitions and had his work shown. He did his work about sexuality head on before and after the AIDS crisis, Mm. but he was caught up in the AIDS crisis on a personal basis Mm -hmm. and he died from an AIDS-related illness. He died 28 years ago, so he never got to see the advances in medicine. Actually a very interesting man, and the book, when you read his book, I think I've still got it at home, it's a very interesting story. Yeah, Robert Maplethorpe. Yeah, it's time for us to go. So until next week, it's Cheerio from Gordon, Phil and Chris. Catch you next time. And we hope you have a lovely week. Bye. Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.